Welcome to A Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the answer to life, the universe, and everything is sex workers. I'm your host, Parker Westwood. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at SexyGalaxyPod. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash SexyGalaxyPod. Um, yeah, please support the show in any way that you're able, and listening does indeed count, so thank you. So this week, uh, we get to talk to Karta Monir. I was introduced to Karta by a mutual friend of ours. Shout out to Willa. And... Uh, when I reached out, Karta gave it an enthusiastic response of like, yes, I would love to be on the podcast and sent a zine for me to check out beforehand. And I just fell in love upon reading this zine. Um, Karta is a uh, trans woman content creator and cartoonist and zine maker, pornographer, um, just multifaceted, incredibly talented human being. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you all. Um, we talk a lot about the content platforms and uh, writing and artwork uh, and identity. And it's just, it's really rich. Um, and there's lots of information for sex workers and non-sex workers alike. So I hope you all enjoy it. And I will, let's just get to it, shall we? All right, everybody. I'm really excited to be here with Karta Monir. Um, Karta, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Carta Monier. I live in Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan, and um, I'm a, I usually say cartoonist, but I guess like in the, the context of this podcast, I should lead with, I'm, I'm a por- pornog- pornographer. Um, yeah. I have an OnlyFans, uh, and publisher and let's say zine maker excellent and how I guess I feel like this is a it's a complicated question for all of us but how did you get started in sex work so something I had always been extremely drawn to um and I mean part of that is being trans I guess Mm -hmm. uh but it's something I'd always been interested in and when lockdown started um my spouse who I had floated the idea of making an OnlyFans to a couple of times and and each time they had been like maybe less than enthusiastic about the idea mm-hmm. when lockdown started my spouse said to me I think the world needs it oh <laughs> it was very sweet um so with their with their blessing I finally launched an OnlyFans and was very excited about it because usually when I'm when I'm not in lockdown, like I'm very promiscuous and I hook up a lot and you know, like mm-hmm. sex is a big part of my life. And when it looked like that wasn't going to be there for, you know, the indefinite long term, yeah, this outlet was like not a perfect substitute, but at least something, you know, a way yeah. for me to express my, my sexuality and also earn money, yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which I do need. Let us not forget the money. <laughs> right. I don't want to sound uh, completely altruistic. Um, it, 
it makes me money, uh, which is very good and important. <laughs> in in this capitalist society we live in, we do need money. We do. Um, cool. I'm. I would like to talk to you more about your OnlyFans, um, but I also feel like I don't want to stray too far from um, the zine or your artistry. Um, so I think I'm going to just like dive into that first. Sure. This was a, I was just like, how am I supposed to dive into both of these areas of your, <laughs> of your life and not just miss them completely? And so this is my awkward way of doing that. Um, no, this is, this is working. Okay, great. I'm so happy for that. <laughs> um, so did you, I've, I've read your zine. Everyone out there needs to read your zine. It's called Napkin. I'm sure there are more of them, but I've read the one called Napkin. And you you have some like visual you have some photos you have some visual things um did you identify as a writer or an artist first and kind of how has that identity evolved for you oh interesting question I guess I identified or I would you know introduce myself as a cartoonist which Mm -hmm. is sort of necessarily like a a mix of the two Mm -hmm. um I consider myself a writer first, I guess, because I think most of what I do boils down to writing. Like if not for writing, I I wouldn't have the majority of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not like an illustrator with a capital I, you know, like (laughs) there are people who are really, really technically incredible at just drawing and like, I'm okay at drawing, but I don't feel like that's me, you know? I feel like the weight I do is carried by my writing. Um, Mm -hmm. I used to do a lot more comics and I still do comics to some degree, but I would say that um, I fell more in love with traditional like zine making. There's like a big queer history of making zines that are a combination of photos and text and illustrations. Uh, especially adjacent to pornography. There's like a a really interesting history. And so I really wanted to experiment with, with that kind of form more. So I've done, I've done a few things like that more recently. um, The most successful of which is napkin. Would you mind telling our listeners a bit about napkin and maybe about your studio, just to give them an idea of the content and kind of what yeah, what you do as a zine maker. Yeah, um, I'll start with the studio, I guess. Currently, I rent a garage. Um, it's like a one and a half car garage uh, detached from a house that is owned by a very sweet man um, in, in Ann Arbor. Um, the garage, I think, used to be someone's workshop. Um, it has a workbench. Um, it has like a very bad feel like when we moved into it there was like a toolbox and like a space heater and like you know it just felt (laughs) like oh you know like you need to get away from the wife you go work in in the workshop Um, (laughs) and we uh, sort of moved in and renovated a little bit like we put down a rubber floor and and stuff like that and we have a bunch of um printing equipment. So we have a risograph machine, which is like, um, it's about the size of an office copier. Um, cool. 
we have an office copier, like a traditional black and white um, Xerox type machine. Yes. Uh, and then a whole bunch of other machines are like, we have a big cutting machine. We have um, machines for binding books and like mm -hmm. high powered staplers and, and things like that. Lots of different colors of ink for printing. And then most recently, uh, I was able to purchase some collating machines. That's where you take the individual pages of the book, which are all in, you know, you have like a huge stack of, of paper and they're all page 13 or whatever. And you need to, to take them and sort of uh, sort them into the correct order for the book. Mm -hmm. These machines do that automatically. So it's a huge time save. Oh, that's amazing. And then I also got a booklet maker, uh, which folds and staples the book itself. So I'm very excited about this stuff. Um, it's like really a dream <laughs> for me to have. I love machines. And so like, it's a dream <laughs> for me to have this workshop full of stuff. So napkin, uh, which is also called Thank You for Having Sex with Cardamonier, mm -hmm. was printed using the Resograph. It is a collection of writing about sex, uh, some pictures, some like screenshots of, of my Twitter, or, you know, sort of comparable ephemera. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the sort of like heart of the book is a collection of comment cards that I had sexual partners fill out immediately after we'd had sex. And those are really sort of the, the hook of the zine, but also the writing really, you know, fleshes it out and, and expands on them was my, was my concept with that. I'd have to agree. I, it was, it is the hook, but your writing certainly expands on what we see in these like photos of the, um, or copies of the cards, I guess, like, how did the review card thing come about? And did you know it was going to end up in a zine when you started it? Uh, so I, I did think that it was going to be a zine when I started. Um, the review card thing happened because I thought it would be funny, I guess. Like, <laughs> I was hooking up with so many people. And this was a new thing. Like, my spouse and I stopped being monogamous after eight continuous years of monogamy. Wow. Um, and, like, that sounds dramatic, but it wasn't. It, it's, <laughs> like, we're both trans and, like, we both came out after we got married and like it just felt like yeah you know like this this seems like something we could try and like it's worked out really well for both of us so you know it was like an explosion of sexual activity all of a sudden and I always like to write about the important things that are going on in my life so I knew that I would want to write about the sex I was having but I also wanted the people I was having sex with to have at least some voice. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want it to just be like me writing over and over like, oh, I'm so good at sex. Take my word for it. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted the other people to have input. And I also thought it would be funny, you know, like there are those cards in, in restaurants or at hotels that are like, how are we doing? You know, like circle one to five or whatever. Yes. And I was like, I, I want to make one of those. So I designed um, 
these comment cards and printed out a whole bunch of them. And then I had this stack of them and I started giving them to people after we'd, we'd hooked up. And I would tell them like, this is gonna end up in a zine. I don't know exactly what form it's going to take, but like this will be published. So, you know, please don't sign it or whatever. A couple of people did sign it and I had to blur out their names. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, so people knew that that I would be printing them. No one refused. If someone had, it wouldn't have been a big deal. I would have probably made a note of it, you know, like, oh, so many, you know, X people refused. Yeah. Um, but no, everyone was was very, I think, entertained by the idea. Originally, my concept for a napkin was that it would just be the comment cards, like just sort of a, a bound collection, like almost like recipe cards. Oh, yeah. But the more I, I collected them, the more I was like, well, I want to write about this too. <laughs> like, I want to talk about these experiences I'm having and I want to talk about like, you know, faking an orgasm with a beautiful woman and, you know, just like these things that I will think of every time I see these cards that I want to, to share, you know. I'm so glad you did because it, it really rounds out the experience for the reader. Like I get a better understanding of what was happening, like what happened prior to this person filling out the card. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it really, it really gives me more or like me as a reader, more of an experience of what both you and your partner um, were experiencing, which is pretty cool. That makes me happy. Yeah. I, when I was laying it out at the end and I experimented with the idea of, well, what if it was just cards? It felt like, I don't know, like I didn't want it to be bragging without the cards, you know, like, oh, I'm good at sex, take my word for it. And just presenting a bunch of cards also felt like very shallow. Mm -hmm. like look at this like tally of people I've fucked and I didn't want it to be like that mm -hmm. so yeah the, I think the writing really really helps create like a more interesting work of art yeah I agree there's there's also you you talk a lot not just about your sexual experiences but like your internal experiences with um like body dysmorphia and mm -hmm. dissociation um and and your journey um with a genetic illness and like getting on HRT like it's a there's mm -hmm. it's juicy it's a lot of stuff in there <laughs> um <laughs> it's impressive um but I, I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk a little bit more about how your relationship with your body and sex um has changed since starting hormones yeah absolutely I would say like I have finally been able to not hate my body if that Hello, makes sense yes. <laughs> like yeah when when I would have sex even good sex before I came out or before I had done anything to you know transition mm -hmm. um I would get tripped up by how much I didn't want to be in the body that I was inhabiting you know Mm -hmm. um like I would be excited about my partner I would be excited about the fact that I was having sex with someone I was attracted to but my own body would be like it's like when you're watching porn and like one of the people like the person 
who you are least attracted to is like extremely unattractive to you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. um, it was like that, you know, except me, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, no one wants to see this, you know, this hairy guy, you know, like I, I want mm-hmm. to see a beautiful woman or, you know, like if nothing else, a hairless twink. And like, <laughs> I was not that. Yeah. Um, so I would say that since, uh, getting on HRT since um, learning to change my body, even in, in impermanent ways that make me happy, you know, like learning more effective ways of, of shaving or um, getting laser hair removal or anything like that. I've felt so much more ownership and control over my body instead of being something that is like an unchanging humiliation that I have to learn to live with. Mm. It's something that I can be proud of because I've put work into it. Like, yeah. oh, this is my body. And like, people are attracted to my body because of the things I've done and not like, despite how much I don't like it. That makes so much sense. It's helped me feel really much more embodied. And like, it also just helps me believe my partner when they say that they're attracted to me because before I would be like, well, that's impossible. <laughs> And with the benefit of hindsight, you know, like I wasn't ugly, um, but I felt ugly, you know, like it, it was just like, it was wrong for me. So um, yeah, at this point I'm, I'm much more able, you know, like everyone, I have my off days where I don't feel so sexy or whatever, mm-hmm. but it, it feels different when I don't feel so sexy in the moment, but I know like even when I'm not at my sexiest, I'm still like a woman, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. a woman who, who has value and, and who is attractive to so many people in the way that I want to be, you know. Absolutely. And the, the way you describe uh, so much of your journey in the, in the zine is fantastic. So every, I'm just telling all of my listeners, go get the zine and read it. <laughs> There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, but speaking of you being a, an incredibly tra- attractive woman who many people are attracted to, let's talk about your OnlyFans. How was that for a transition? That was really good. That was excellent. Good segue. Working, working on it. So since you started your OnlyFans and you got your um, your partner's blessing, Mm-hmm. What are some important lessons you've learned about being an online content creator? Um, I mean, I guess before I had OnlyFans, I had and still have like a Patreon for my uh, non-sex work art and writing. And I had already had to learn how to promote myself for, you know, just like the book stuff and, and comic stuff I was doing. So I had a little bit of a head start because I came to... OnlyFans with like a built-in audience who already liked some of what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. And so I was lucky in that I did not have to start completely from zero. Like I I was able to make like a new Twitter account and direct, you know, my 10,000 or so Twitter followers and say like, if you're interested in my pornography, I have this. So I was able to build up at least a couple thousand followers like right away. Cool. Um, which was very useful. Yeah. Um, in terms of like making porn online, I would say like the stuff I learned immediately was like, it really helps me if I post every day. 
um, even if I just have stuff queued up. I know some people who post multiple times a day and I think that's amazing for them and that's also not my style. <laughs> so I post something once a day and that something can be like a few pictures. It could be like a, a recording of me reading something I've written or a short video or sometimes a big long video. Um, but regardless, it's like I, I have it set up where where I will be posting every day. And that's useful too, because like I think a lot of consumers, especially people who are less familiar with a subscription-based model like OnlyFans, mm -hmm. get very in their head about like, well, how much content am I paying for? So mm -hmm. being able to say like, okay, like I post every day. And so that means I have, you know, hundreds of videos and you know thousands of photos already you know yeah th that's helpful um for the the people who I would say like for more experienced <laughs> buyers they understand that there is a huge quantity over quality um mm -hmm. problem <laughs> because you could post one picture every day or the same picture every day you know oh yeah whatever but yeah, I, I think I think it helps draw people in just like knowing that there's something. I also try and post on Twitter or retweet something at least once a day. I don't always do it, but it helps like draw in new potential customers. Mm -hmm. And likewise, I really hate this website, but I do post on Reddit mm -hmm. occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> gets me people. It's hateful and humiliating and just the worst. Like if you've never had to post pornography on Reddit in the hopes of getting paid, let me tell you, because Reddit is set up um, to be user managed communities, mm -hmm. it means that whoever is managing this community of people who post porn, so it could be anybody. It's just someone who likes porn. It's like never a sex worker. Mm -mm. It's always some guy who likes tit pics or whatever. Yes. And since that person is just the person who like started this community or whatever, they get to set all of the rules. And frequently the rules are extremely unfriendly to sex workers. Mm -hmm. um, Reddit advertises porn that is given by people who expect no compensation and what that generally means is stolen porn but even in the case of not stolen like one of the most popular um subreddits is called uh gone wild it has over three million subscribers mm -hmm. and i got banned from gone wild because my bio on reddit has a dot com link in it they are so against the idea that anyone posting their needs there could ever benefit financially that they'll ban you even for having a website link in your bio, which is unrelated to what you post. That's such bullshit. It's terrible. So yeah, Reddit sucks. And also Reddit makes it really difficult not to interact with just like the worst people. Like on Twitter, you can block them. Mm -hmm. On Reddit, you have to play by their rules and interact with them. <laughs> Mm. And yeah, it sucks. And also like as a trans performer, 
um, a lot of the reddits uh, that I post in have uh, especially humiliating rules about needing to be passable. Yeah. Things like that, mm. um, which I hate as a matter of principle. Like it, it disgusts yeah. me. Um, and also I really want to take those nerds money. Yeah. And so the, the whole passable thing is so subjective and offensive. Like, Oh, it's terrible. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's garbage. And like what it ends up meaning is like, if you look at any of those, you know, like, uh, r slash traps is like the, the top, like trans feminine subreddit to post in if, if you make porn. Mm-hmm. And like, if you look at like what's trending there on any given day, it's like a white skinny girl. It always is. Right. Everything, yeah. you know, like that's what is prioritized by rules about passability and like it's oh, yeah. very frustrating. It's still it's it's all hinged on the same exact beauty standards that like everyone else is is yeah. held to and they're just they're still unattainable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good segue into one of the questions I have here is um uh, as a transgender content creator, how do you navigate this like tagging of content when there are some of these like tags that are outdated or offensive or sure. like, how do you how do you navigate that um so while I will post in a subreddit called r slash traps mm-hmm. um I personally don't feel comfortable posting in you know anything with the word shemale or tranny or mm-hmm. um I also don't post in femboy not because I don't think femboy is uh is, like more offensive or whatever I just feel like it's inaccurate yeah in my case um (laughs) when it comes to tagging my own content I do use clip sites like um many vids or or ap clips or whatever Mm -hmm. um I never use uh slurs in my content just because like I don't want to encourage anyone to use them for me I also work with and film content with other trans people and I would get really angry if somebody called one of my co-stars a tranny right um or whatever and I I don't know like I know that I'm gonna have an audience of chasers inevitably but like I would like to sort of do my due diligence in avoiding the people who feel empowered to use the worst slurs yes um, it's part of why I also don't advertise along racial lines. Like, mm-hmm. um, I am uh, not white, but I also don't want an audience of people who feel empowered to say disgusting racist things. Yeah. So I sort of let them figure th- that out themselves. Yeah. <laughs> A good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess how would you or how do you approach like when if someone were to approach you using like TS or um, that sort of vernacular and they're like, because I've seen it where these guys just like don't know. They just they haven't had a like, this is what's this is what's correct today. Like that was fine when you were 20, but it's not anymore. Right, 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 right. Um, How do you Um, handle that situation? So it's context dependent. If they're paying me, if it's on OnlyFans and they DM me and they say, 
you are a beautiful transgender or something like that. I will say, um, thank you. I prefer, you know, like it's important that you call me a trans woman and not a transgender because a lot of people don't like that, especially when they're, I get a lot of people DMing me and asking like, how can I find a beautiful trans in my area to Mm. hook up with? And I'm like, well, I mean, step one would be don't call her a beautiful trans. Right. Um, If it's on Twitter, um, I generally don't respond to any (laughs) reply except for from mutuals or from people who have given me substantial amounts of money. Yes. Um, It's a good rule to follow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then same on Reddit. Like uh, people will say all kinds of things on Reddit. um, And generally the only things that I reply to are innocuous comments. Like I wish I could join you. And then Mm -hmm. once in a while I'll respond like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or uh, comments with a direct question from another trans person about uh, my piercings or the hormones that I'm on. Yes. <laughs> um, I get a lot of, what is that kind of piercing called? You know, and then that's like such an inoffensive question. I'm happy to answer. Absolutely. Um, and I don't feel that I need to be paid for my answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, for most other stuff, you know, if people want to talk to me and be engaged with, they should subscribe to my OnlyFans because they are, it's like, I'm happy to respond to DMs, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I don't mind at all. I'm happy to respond to whatever they want to say. They're paying me to do that. That's part of the, the setup there. Um, But yeah, otherwise I I just don't engage really. Yeah. And I'll block if, if something is so disgusting to me that I, I just like don't want to engage with it at all. Yeah. Where it's like blatant that they just aren't concerned with what's offensive or not like it's pretty obvious from some people yeah yes yes like I really don't mind I should be careful how I phrase this in this context Mm -hmm. where I am not face to face with them and they are approaching me over the internet and also paying me money I don't mind earnest mistakes right um I do mind earnest mistakes if it's uh in person (laughs) you know please don't approach me and ask me how to find a beautiful transgender um but online I am you know I'll I'll talk to them about whatever uh, as long as they're paying and I feel like that's just part of it like a lot of the people who subscribe to my OnlyFans want to have conversations that are unrelated to sex and like Mm -hmm. that's that's part of it and I don't have any problem with that same I actually really love that mm-hmm. yeah it makes makes me feel valued as a as a person and not just for my yeah. body although like both Absolutely. of our bodies are incredible so that's cool too <laughs> but I agree thank you <laughs> so you were you mentioned other content platforms mm-hmm. um, can we just talk a minute about like what you think about the other platforms how they differ just kind of give yeah. an, an overview for people who may not really know anything about these platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so starting with OnlyFans, um, OnlyFans is 
if if you've never used it, um, it is a subscription-based platform similar to Patreon, where um, your uh, fans, I guess, let's say, your fans will pay a set fee per month. You don't have tiered pricing. There's like one fee gets them into all of your content unless you have it specifically locked you know with an added fee on top of that mm-hmm. and um the thing about only fans that makes it extremely popular is that they only take 20 percent um and it's a flat 20 percent across the board your subscription fees your tips um if you have like messages that people have to pay to unlock if you have videos that people have to pay to unlock 20 percent all the way across and if you know anything about online like sex platforms you know that 20 percent is relatively very low um many vids which is the most popular indie clip site um, that i use takes 40 percent in some cases they take less, like they have sort of an OnlyFans competitor thing that they Mm -hmm. launched um, that I don't think very many people are using that was also 20%. But if you sell a clip on many vids, which is what people use it for, they take 40%. Um, AP Clips takes, I think, 35%. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, camming sites like Chatterbait can take up to 50%. That's so bananas to me. It's just, I thought 20% was a huge cut. And until I still I learned, think it's a huge cut. It is, yeah. yeah. Especially because they're not update. They just like don't do anything to make it easier for us to make them more money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. OnlyFans is not a well-designed or well-maintained website. And it's mm-hmm. like, it became extremely popular. And so now there's a, like a base of users there. So people keep using it. Like I've tried using other websites that have better designs, but if you don't have users who are going to pay, you know, tokens or money or whatever, then it's pointless. You yeah. know, I made an AVN stars, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I have sold one video clip on that. Oh, wow in like months and months and it's like same with like you know I tried out several other alternative websites and like OnlyFans has the the name recognition and the base yeah from a user perspective I can't blame people for not wanting to not give their credit card information to yet another subscription platform yeah and then on our end having to upload to so many different subscription platforms right I was doing uh... that for a while like I I made accounts on like uh, Just for Fans and Avian Stars and this website called um, Foxy that I really liked. I really liked the design of Foxy, but nobody uses it. I got like 20 people to use my referral code to sign up to Foxy. And I have made zero dollars because none of them have made any money on Foxy. <laughs> like it's an interesting way for me to see if anybody's succeeding uh. at Foxy. The answer is no. <laughs> damn I mean the name is cute (laughs) yeah the name is cute it like honestly I wish Foxy succeeded because they were an OnlyFans type site but they also sold clips and they still took only 20% across the board so like as a clip host they 
are such a better deal than many vids or AP clips, but nobody uses them. Even when I put my clips on Foxy on sale, you know, like this is the cheapest you could get them anywhere. Please buy them. Nobody. Nobody's there. Bought them. Right. People would rather buy them on the platform they're already a part of. Yeah. Um, which makes sense. I understand why, but like, ugh. Uh, OnlyFans sucks so bad. I know. <laughs> I just wish we could like start a petition to get them to do a few of the things they need to do to make it a better platform for us since we're we're all making them so much money. You're making them so much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean like OnlyFans you can see like if you look at their Twitter account and the the pages that they promote they really want like if if they could wave a wand and make something happen they want to be like paid youtube Mm -hmm. that's what they want like the people who they promote are like windsurfers and chefs and comedians and pranksters and influencers nobody who sells nudes um and usually the pages they promote if you like click through it's like someone who's uploaded two posts and has five followers but they're still being promoted by only fans because they are one of the few people who's not a sex worker using the site yeah they're like when we say behind the scenes content we don't mean your tits we mean a makeup tutorial yeah and it's like that's not what is happening though it's not and like I honestly don't know why someone would want to use only fans not for porn because Patreon doesn't take 20%. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to. Yeah. And it's tiered. Like, the Patreon the Patreon model is is far, far better designed for what they're trying. Well, what the, it seems like they're trying to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah OnlyFans is designed for selling porn. Yeah. <laughs> very clearly. <laughs> um, but it's so embarrassed of it. And, I mean, I assume that anyone listening to this podcast understands these things but I'm going to give a quick summary just in case mm-hmm. um, in case you're asking yourself why don't online sex workers make their own websites um, good question Who here's tell? why <laughs> um, you may have heard of something called uh, SESTA FOSTA mm-hmm. which is um, sort of like a broad series of laws that were passed in the United States um, God, how many years ago now was it? I think it was three, three years ago now. Yeah. April of 2018. Yeah, three years ago now. And um, they were ostensibly passed to combat uh, human trafficking. Uh, But the impact is that um, credit card providers no longer wanted to accept payments for any kind of online sex or pornography or anything because they all of a sudden would be legally liable Mm -hmm. if something related potentially to trafficking slipped through. Yeah. And not Um, just credit card processors, but also um, like, so like sites, websites, anyone. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, So um, that immediately meant that in order to sell pornography online, you would have to go through what are called high-risk payment processors. 
those are payment processors that are used when you sell uh, firearms or uh, like online gambling or vapes um, <laughs> and, and now also porn. And wow. high-risk payment processors are not accessible to like a person. They're made for companies to interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, they have high fees and they're difficult to set up and um, expensive to get started. Mm-hmm. And so that created this kind of like middleman market of sites like OnlyFans who generously only take 20% because they have assumed the sort of headache and risk of platforming pornography and accepting payments for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the same with sites like ManyBids and, you know, Chatterbait, et cetera, et cetera. It's not to say that those sites didn't exist before SESTA-FOSTA, but SESTA-FOSTA was like the final nail in the coffin as to why you can't use PayPal, you know, like, oh, buy my nudes and pay me on PayPal, because if PayPal finds out, they will seize all your money and shut you down. And they have, and they do do that. Um, Mm -hmm. They do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why we use sites like OnlyFans, despite them taking 20%. It's because they're are really not better options currently. Yeah, not to mention starting your own website is expensive. And um, and that's probably why OnlyFans is like, they only promote non-sex work sites right. because, or people, content creators, because they fear losing their entire site if they promote Absolutely. sex workers. Right, and they also have like pretty arbitrary rules Um, which is common also where people are kind of trying to hedge their bets and hosting pornography. Yes. Um, Like you can't show menstrual blood. You can't show fisting. Mm, No knife play. None of that. No knife play. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of it is that OnlyFans uh, corporate is based in England, which has its own extremely weird rules around pornography. Um, but part of that is also just straightforwardly Sesta Fasta. Like mm-hmm. American websites have the same thing. Like you can show someone drinking cum, no problem. Can't show someone drinking female ejaculate, um, quote unquote. Oh my God. Uh, right. Like, what's, yeah, we, <laughs> that could be a whole episode <laughs> in and of itself. How stupid that shit is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's absurd. Um, and sexist. <laughs> yeah, extremely. Yeah, so that, that as I said, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast already know this, so sorry for the, the redundant info. But, like, that's why we use <laughs> sites like OnlyFans. And it's also just the question of audience. You know, like we were saying, there are better designed sites. Every once in a while, someone will be like, I'm launching my own OnlyFans competitor. It's amazing. And everyone will get briefly excited about it and then discover nobody is paying to be on it. Nobody is using it. Like It doesn't have that um, name recognition. It doesn't. Beyonce hasn't sung about Pocket Stars or whatever. Yeah. Come but, on, Beyonce. You know. Get a Foxy song out there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for it. 
I don't know. I I think getting like the the techno the wow I can't use words today. I know I have them. Um, the technological side of it, like the website being frustrating and everything, is is a <laughs> whole thing. I have when I first started, I like hated OnlyFans confession time. I hated it. I was like, I don't like creating this content. I don't feel a connection with anyone because I was doing solo. <laughs> <clears throat> and I still do a lot of solo content. And I was just super frustrated because I was just like longing for connection. Um, and then I started to kind of find my groove with it and and do things that felt sustainable. And you seem to like, it, I mean, your OnlyFans, you had done some, some porn content, like creating with folks mm-hmm. um, and some solo content. And I was just wondering, like, what's been your favorite content to create? And like, do you have a favorite scene that you've that you've done as a oh. content creator? I would say easily my favorite is when other people are involved. Um, and like earlier, I did mention that I started my OnlyFans after the lockdown had started. So you may be wondering, how does this work, Carta? <laughs> um, earlier in the pandemic, I live in an area where um, like same day rapid testing was extremely available. And before things had gotten too bad, it was like something that I felt comfortable doing where like I would set up shooting with people who had been quarantining. We would both get tested sometimes multiple times and then meet up and then get tested again, you know, et cetera. That stopped being viable. (laughs) Um, So I haven't done any uh, in-person content with anybody in while um but I definitely prefer you know shooting with other people because it's more interesting for me you know Mm -hmm. like at this point most of my content is solo content and I'm finding ways to mix it up but like it doesn't feel as interesting to me because it you know there's only so many ways I can touch myself you know like yes so I'm definitely more interested in like the dynamics of of being with other people. As far as my favorite stuff that I've shot goes, um, I have to remember to say, hmm, because I'm on a podcast and people can't (laughs) see my thinking face. I would say uh, one of the things that I shot that I I felt like most proud of, um, just like on an execution and sort of conceptual level, there was this um, couple that I've filmed with um, a bunch who are engaged. And um, the, I guess I can't call him the the husband because they're just engaged, but but the boyfriend, Mm -hmm. um, the fiance with one E um, had (laughs) never had any kind of sexual interaction with anyone with a dick before. So I got to film him going down on me and like giving his first blowjob ever. Oh my God. Um, and I also got to film a bunch of like pretty fun, like sort of light cuckold content um, with him and his, his uh, GF. And it was really fun. Like I really enjoyed that kind of dynamic. And like, although I'm not, terribly interested in cis man like Mm -hmm. um it was 
very fun, you know, like to see him being vulnerable in that way. Yeah. As far as other content that like I really like, I've shot a bunch with this um, trans guy named uh, Sterling, who is just one of my favorite performers and people like we're we're friends outside of outside of filming and I feel like everything we shoot together is just extremely hot and like I have um a good dynamic with him like off camera as well and like awesome I just feel really good about about those scenes too and they're also like just very consistently ones that I can like show clips of and get people very excited about them so oh that's so great I can't wait till we can go back to being able to make in-person con- content or like interact oh with God. people or just fuck Me in too. general. <laughs> I this is like the longest dry spell in my adult life. <laughs> it's it's, so it's for a good cause. It's for a good reason. I get it. It's for a very good reason. Like I'm not gonna. Yeah, I live with people, and it's not worth the risk of of any of it. You know, yes. like I, I would never ever want to bring COVID home um to my spouse or my roommate um but uh it's so it's so hurtful that I just got started on my big slut adventure and then I had to shut it down for over a year probably more like two years before this is all over yeah I feel the same I feel like I'm just coming into my big slut adventure and uh and (laughs) like as COVID was like really setting in and I was just like god damn it like I can't yeah I can't ethically go on my big slut adventure. So we're going to postpone it for We're going to have to set year. up like a really good orgy in this area after uh, COVID is done. You know I'm down. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there. Well, oh, one of the questions, this was a question I threw on this list at the end because I was like, I don't think people understand how much work OnlyFans really can be. Um mm-hmm. How many hours would you say you put into creating content and like posting and like all of the OnlyFans work? Uh, like how many hours a week? It depends on what kind of content I'm doing. Mm-hmm. There are admittedly some weeks where I shoot everything in one night and then I sort of like space it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if I'm filming any video, because that always takes like a long time to set up and then mm-hmm. you know I would say it's it's at least 40 you know and yeah. it's it's a weird 40 where it like happens after everyone else in my house has gone to sleep because that's when I can have the living room to myself as a studio yep. so it's like a very weird after hours kind of like shuffling around lighting and shuffling around equipment and um, then shooting then editing video and uploading um and then also like just responding to comments responding to messages like it definitely takes time um maintaining the twitter presence and everything yeah like i'm definitely busier when i'm shooting with other people because there's just more to do than there is when i'm taking pictures of myself but yeah it's still pretty pretty time intensive I will say though, like of jobs I've had, this is my favorite. Like Mm. um, I've worked hourly in so many different jobs and 
I also, you know, run my print shop and stuff, which I, I do love. I love my print shop, but the print shop loses money. It doesn't make money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like of jobs I have had that, that make money, OnlyFans is like just the best that I've, that I've ever had. And I know that like, not everyone can say that. And I'm very lucky, but yeah, personally, I'm, I'm very happy with this job. Good. I'm so glad to hear that you're very good at it. So that's thank you. That's so fun. Yeah, it's a joy to follow you. I'm glad we've I'm glad we've traded links. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is the moment where we go into rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. And this one's specific to you. Screen printing or lithography? Oh, shit. Um, I've never done lithography. So I would, I would have to say lithography because I would want, I would want to, to mess around with that. Hell yeah. I thought you might say that. Um, favorite place you've ever been? Oh, geez. I, you know, I love LA. I might have to say LA. Hell Yeah. A book from your mandatory reading list. Oh, uh, Susceptible by Jean-Viev Kestre. Oh, what's that? What's that about? It's um, a graphic novel. Um, it's about, mm. it's autobiographical. It's really, really beautiful um, about her growing up and then breaking away from her emotionally abusive mother. It's oh. really stunning. As a graphic novel, that sounds amazing. It's, and I mean, her art is just like some of the greatest art ever made. She's so incredible. Uh, it's time to go to Vault of Midnight for me. I'm going to go check Absolutely. that out. <laughs> uh, what is a secret talent of yours? Um, I don't have a lot of secrets when it comes <laughs> to things like that, but something people might not know is that I used to ride um, unicycle. Um, I don't anymore because it's not safe for me with my joints, but I used to. You still have it? I don't. I sold it. And I was like, I will buy that from you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, when I when I was uh, diagnosed with alias downless and the doctor was like, you're not allowed to run anymore. You're not allowed to like, you know, Ugh. I was like, well, I might as well sell this <laughs> because like, there's no way. Yeah. Like surviving a, a biffing it on a unicycle is... Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's quite an impact. It is. That's so cool. Okay. Uh, a song, a musical artist, or an album that you're currently obsessed with? Oh, um, I've been listening a lot. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer like a sophisticated answer and a guilty pleasure answer. <laughs> yes. This is all I um, want. <laughs> on the sophisticated side, um, I've been listening to a lot of Ice Choir because my spouse really loves Ice Choir. Um, it's like an, uh, a synth pop, like, uh, group cool. that's really, really amazing. Um, I love the song Amorous in Your Absence. Mm-hmm. Um, on a guilty pleasure side, I've been listening to a lot of Green Day's American Idiot. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, I might have to revisit that. Okay, finish this sentence. Good sex is fun. Mm-hmm. 
If you had one superpower, what would it be? Oh God. Um, I should say, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you can't see my thinking face. Uh, geez, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um, a very trans answer would be like shape shifting, or like control over my my body. Um, good one. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, I like that one. And what is something simple that brings you joy? I really love drinking. Lapsang Suchong tea. It's my mm. favorite tea and I drink it every day. Mm. Do you have a do you have a special like tea bowl or or a cup that you prefer to drink out of? I don't. Um I actually I'm drinking some lapsang right now. Um and it's yeah. in this mug that uh a person I'm dating got my spouse. <laughs> for um their birthday which is really sweet oh yes um, yeah it's like a new york coffee like we are happy to serve you mm-hmm. um lapsang is like super smoky it's um tea that's smoked over pine so it's like mm-hmm. it has like a campfire aroma that i really love oh that sounds dreamy now i want to go camping it's <laughs> excellent I'm gonna have to get myself so many some. things. I know. <laughs> Soon enough, we're all, we're we're in the home stretch. We're gonna make it. Unpaid advertisement time. Tea House, spelled T E A H A U S in Ann Arbor, sells my favorite lap saying. Hey yo, perfect. I haven't been there yet. Mm-hmm. I have to go there. I love it. Um, yeah, when it's not a pandemic, uh, let's go there together. It's super nice. I love that. Yes, please. Fucking pandemic. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to meet in person soon. Um, whenever, whenever we're able, because this me has been great. Too. For me too. I'm really, really enjoying getting to know you. Well, let's do a cute little sign off. Yes. Okay. So they, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I'm super excited to meet you whenever the stars align and excited to see the work um, that you continue to come out with. And everyone should buy your zine and subscribe to your OnlyFans and all the things. Do you have any parting parting words thank for you. our listeners? Oh boy. Um, well, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I have any any really good okay here I'll 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 end with a recommendation um I have been reading to my spouse every evening from a book published in 1680 um which is available on the internet archive you can you know just download it mm-hmm. um it is a like sex manual um it's called um what is it? In, in French, it's called Le Chaux de Fille, which is like the school of girls. Yeah, in English, it's called the School of Venus or mm. the Ladies' Delight. Um, and it is uh, written in the form of a dialogue between two cousins, two uh, female cousins, one of whom is like schooled in the ways of pleasure and the other who is a naive and innocent virgin. 
Um, I love this. And it is really, really interesting. Um, Like, it's this extremely thorough sex manual that, like, does not even suggest the existence of oral or anal sex, which I find interesting. I mean, like, it it gives you a peek into, like, some cultural expectations, I guess, or maybe baths weren't available enough for people to even consider it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's extremely, extremely interesting to read about like, what is the, the kind of like, oh, this is like the, the sort of ideal sexual encounter in 1680. Oh, that's exciting. I also love reading out loud so much. Like that's, that sounds wonderful. It's great. I highly recommend it. I'm excited to read it. <laughs> and I I'll see you soon. We'll say goodbye to everybody and uh yeah, so goodbye everyone. Bye everybody. Uh, what a magical human being. I just really appreciate it when people can show up and be vulnerable and uh and have fun with it and I really enjoyed this interview. Be sure to check out that zine. It is really beautiful. It's, I enjoyed every moment of reading it. I got sucked in and reading has been hard for me lately because my attention span has been so short with social media being such a thing right now. Uh, I know there's plenty of you out there that can relate. So getting sucked into something uh, that is like text Uh, is saying something right now. So that's linked in the show notes as well as Carta's OnlyFans, as well as the show Patreon. So get in there um, and do your thing. And thank you for listening. And I'll see you in another couple weeks. Uh, This is where I say something spacey. And I'm never prepared every week. So it's a little known fact of the universe that while there are flying saucers, there are also flying teacups. Just wait till you see the flying teaspoons. Nanu nanu motherfuckers.